0: With that, we'll uh, pass it over to Marlon. Okay. So, good morning. First of all, I'd like to apologize if my English is not so good, so please forgive the mistakes I will certainly make during my speech and debates. Second, I'd like to strongly thank Professor DePain for invitation and all the staff at Oxford Transitional Justice Research, Transitional Justice Database, and our foundation for making my trip here possible. It's... In this very brief presentation, I intend to report how, after 25 years, justice has approached human rights rights violations perpetrated during the military dictatorship and to talk a little about our Truth Commission, which has been recently nominated. The military dictatorship in Brazil was established in 1964 in the context of the Cold War. Since the beginning, there was human rights violations. But in December 1968, the repression went to a higher level. The government ordered that any kind of resistance should be considered terrorism and combat, and combat as an internal enemy. <clears throat> that was the green sign to the broad perpetration of human rights violations. The use of illegal arrests, torture, rape, kidnapping, and summary execution became routine. The repression left around 500 persons dead of fear, and estimated that are more than three than 30,000 victims of torture. Thousands of people went to exile, most of them in self-exile, due to the fear of being arrested or tortured. In the mid-70s, almost all these movements and left parties had been smashed. All the movement that resisted the government and the left parties had been smashed. Around 1978, a movement in the civil society arguing for amnesty in favor of the political persecution gained strength. Due to the pressure from civil society and the loss of popularity of the regime, as well as their victory uh, over any form of organized resistance, the military government agreed with a partial amnesty in 1979. However, the amnesty law also stated that the crimes perpetrated by the public servants during the repression would be forgiven. It has been called a bilateral amnesty, as it offers both a self-amnesty for the perpetrators and, and for the crimes of the dissidents. So both for perpetrators and dissidents. In 1985, the presidential elections by the Congress were won by a moderate opposition. So the last military president left the power in 1985. Under the civil, under the civil government that was very close to the military, the new constitution was approved, and the amnesty issue in 1979 was reaffirmed. No vetting in public service has, has taken place. No self-criticism has been performed in the armed force, No investigations about human rights violations were considered. The new constitution establishes that all persons who were persecuted during the dictatorship were amnestized and granted to them financial indemnification for harm and losses. This rule can be considered the first transitional step in Brazil. So we started to deal with the legacy of dictatorship with reparation measures. In 1995, we were created the Special Commission on the Dead and Missing Persons, which recognized 479 cases of death and disappeared people and granted financial reparation to their families. In two- 2001. An Amnesty Commission was created to grant financial compensation for any kind of damage, since economic harm such as loss of employment, and until suffering from illegal arrest and torture. Brazil has paid more than $2 billion American dollars in damage. The Federal Public Prosecution began to work with transitional justice in 1999. Our focus then was at the humanitarian aspect of, ind- of identification of remains. Our goal was to provide to the families a decent burial of their loved ones and figure out the circumstances of death to achieve the right to truth. We started to think of the possibility of accountability of perpetrators <clears throat> of human rights violations only after 2006, when the Inter-American Human Rights Court decided the case of Omonacid Arellanos regarding Pinochet's dictatorship in Chile. The court decided that the political repression offered in Chile had committed crimes against humanity, and that such crimes could not be amnestied or benefited by the statute of limitation. In late 2007, I presented to the Attorney General a study about Brazil's obligation to prosecute human rights perpetrators under international law and the jurisprudence of the Inter-American Human Rights Court. I have argued that Brazilian authorities have an international obligation to respect the rules established in the use-cautions. I defend that the use of the international customary does not violate the Brazilian constitutional guarantee that requests a written criminal law to define a crime, because a crime against humanity is not a specific or a new crime, but a general clause that qualifies the way other crimes, other crimes were committed. For instance, a summary execution is still a homicide, But if practiced in a context of a widespread or systematic attack against a civilian population, it also constitutes a crime against humanity. At this point, I need to explain that the public prosecution in Brazil has, beside criminal prosecution, the duty of adopting judicial and extrajudicial measures to protect human rights and good governance. (coughs) In that context, it has the power to institute civil investigations and public civil suits. Therefore, we have two big branches inside the public prosecution, one for criminal case and another for the civil ones. I have most of the time working the second one, in the civil division. I haven't had power to start criminal case. I could only require the criminal division to start a case. The requests do not bind my colleagues in the criminal office. They have autonomy to disagree with the arguments and close the request. In 2008, we have adopted two initiatives. We started a civil suit against two commanders of the Sao Paulo Headquarters of the Repression, where, we estimate, between three and, f- three and five thousand of people were arrested and tortured, and we made requests to the Criminal Division of the Federal Public Ministry, asking for actions in three cases of torture and murder. We achieved limited results from these first initiatives. <coughs> in the civil suit, President Lula ordered the solicitor general to support the amnesty law in the favor of perpetrators, the judges accept this view and dismiss the action. In the criminal case, the prosecutors decide that the statute of limitation was a definitive barrier and reject our request, request. The main objection from judges and prosecutors is that the use of international law, having custom as the sure as sure, cannot change the rules provided by the written internal law. In their understanding, to apply the consent of crime against humanity, it would be necessary for Brazil to have signed a treaty before the crime had occurred. Anyway, we haven't given up. We appeal in the civil case and we start ordering seven new suits. In the criminal field, we continue to ask for new actions. During this public debate, the Bar Association filed before the Supreme Court an action called Claim of Non-Compliance with a (laughs) Fundamental Principle. I will say ADPF in its Portuguese initials. To be <coughs> with the goal of this claim, to obtain a constitutional interpretation about the Amnesty Law, the Supreme Court should decide whether it was valid or not to protect the public agents who had perpetrated crimes against political dissidents. The Supreme Court judged the ADPF in April 2010. It was declared that the Amnesty Law was bilateral and it applied to both dissidents and public agents' crimes. For the Supreme Court, the amnesty law was the result of a deal made between the military government and the civil society in order to pacify the country and set the stage for the transition to democracy. This agreement couldn't be undone retroactively without violating some constitutional rights of the defendants, said the Court. In In this trial, only a very short consideration about international law was made. The court considered that at the, at the time the amnesty law was issued, Brazil hadn't signed any treaty that could avoid it. No discussion about obligations from the Use Cautions took place. In November 2010, the Inter-American, Inter-American Human Rights Court decided the Gunsland case. Brazil was convicted for the violation of the American Convention on Human Rights in the clause related to the rights to truth, information, and justice. The court determined that Brazil should promote criminal persecution in all the cases of grave human rights violations. The sentence is very clear about the obligation of punishment in the case of enforced disappearance of persons and summary execution, and that the amnesty law should not be considered valid as an obstacle to persecution. The court also stated that the state of limitation is not applicable to these crimes, and it proclaimed as well that the case couldn't be tried by military courts, but ordinary ones. Inside the federal public prosecution, the gomis sentence has marked a watershed in the criminal area. Since then, the coordination of the criminal prosecutors has started to work intensively on the dictatorship's crimes. As a consequence, a work group gathering prosecutors from many different places has been created, and two criminal actions have been proposed this year. <coughs> Around seventy other investigations are in progress. This is the big picture I'd like to present about justice in the context of transitional justice in Brazil. Now, if you still have time, I intend to speak something about the Truth Commission, recently nominated. The Brazilian Commission the Brazilian Truth Commission, will be very distinct of the others that have existed in South America, because of the length of time between the facts and the investigation. The last military government ended 27 years ago, and the main period of violence was in the mid-70s, I mean, almost (coughs) 40 years prior to the Commission. This gap of time brings negative and positive perspectives to the work of the Commission. On the negative side, there will be a lot of difficulties to search and find evidence of the facts. Times is a natural barrier to confidence of testimonies. In addition, in addition, the reconciler and restorative impact that truth could bring to family is impaired, as many fathers and mothers of victims are very old or deceased. The positive aspect is that the work can be done without any fear of provoking setback to democratic process. Furthermore, this gap of time will allow a broader comprehension of the political, social, economical and legal cause of the coup d'etat and later of the state terrorism. This diagnosis can provide the Commission with elements to the task of recommending measures and policies to prevent human rights violations in the future properly the law considered these aspects and empowered the Commission with this mission. Other goals set up to the Commission include a broad investigation in order to provide, provide awareness of the human rights violations and their authorship. The identification of which structures, place, and institutions committed to the practice of these abuse has also been established as an objective. We hope the Commission will be able to quantify the violations as there is no knowledge of the total number of victims until today. It is also part of its task to determine the accountability of public institutions and agents, and also the involvement of companies and private entities regarding the facts under investigation. The Commission will give a major input to the Brazilian democracy if it investigates the reasons why many public services couldn't resist to the breakdown of the constitutional order in 1964. The Commission should, in my opinion, also investigate the reasons why, after 1968, this institution didn't offer any resistance against the practice of human rights violations. The answer for these questions are key to prevent the state from failing again in its capacity to defend the rule of law, in particular, I think, The judiciary and the public prosecution would have clarity regarding these answers, as they have the constitutional commitment to the defense of the legal order. It would also be useful if the Commission could demonstrate the damaging consequence of authoritarianism for social economics and cultural rights. The public discussion of social aspects is key to alert the society of the consequence of of the consequence of an authoritarian regime. A dictatorship <clears throat> is not harmful only for the political dissidents. It also brings setbacks for the whole society. If the people are empowered with this sense of responsibility, it will be an enormous contribution to the respect <coughs> of plurality and democracy in the future. Another contribution of the Commission is to highlight the essential measures for the reform of public security organs. This is one of the focuses of transitional justice and one of the main challenges in Brazil. In conclusion, I can affirm that Brazil is today a strong democracy. But we have some unfinished tasks, such as breaking some authoritarian enclaves who believe that when it comes to human rights, the ends justify the means. With the effort of the National Truth Commission and the promotion of justice for human rights abuse, We have a unique opportunity to consolidate the rule of law and the democratic state, changing the paradigm of impunity and the lack of accountability. Thanks for your careful attention.